If you'd like to be seated, Maggie's going to read to us from Philippians, uh, and then Ron's going to bring God's word. Good morning. Philippians 1, 1 to 14. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guards and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the, of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ron, if you'd like to come up, then I can pray for you. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, we we thank you for Ron, for his thinking and preparation for the word that you've given him and placed in his heart this morning. We pray now that your spirit would rest upon him and fill him. Give him grace to proclaim your word boldly, uh, that we might hear from you and be encouraged and built up in our faith. Spirit of God, rest on Ron, we pray now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sam. Can you hear me all right? I walk away from the mic. Good, good. Um, I feel like I'm at home, really. Uh, last, so I often go out speaking on behalf of Open Doors. I'll tell you a bit about them in a moment. But um, last week I was in Eastbourne. Um, today I'm in Down End and I live in Emerson's Green. <laughs> so thank you for being so close and saving me a three and a half hour journey. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm Ron. I work for Open Doors. Uh, it's a privilege to be with you. And I bring you thanks, first up, for your support for your love, for your prayers, for your generosity in giving to the Ministry of Open Doors, but to our persecuted family, and I'll share one or two stories about them in a moment or two. I wonder if you've ever been to prison. Don't feel like you have to put your hand up. It might frighten the person next to you. But, uh, today I'm going to talk about a couple of prisons, 
And I wonder if you had uh, your freedom to gather like this taken away from you, I wonder if it would be different when that freedom was given back to you, whether you would be different in your approach to that. I wonder if you would be more zealous uh, in, in wanting to make a difference for the kingdom of God here in Down End and the community in which you live and in which you work. I wonder if you'd be hungrier and thirstier as a disciple of Jesus to see the kingdom of God come uh, in this place. I wondered if you want to see the bride, the church, the local church, ready, pure and spotless, ready for the day of Jesus Christ's return, or, or whether you'd just be a bit lukewarm. Our young people have a saying, they say we were a bit meh, perhaps. You know, here in the UK, we do actually experience the freedom to worship God without fear. Uh, and yet so often I feel like we might just take that for granted. And freedom of religion is the basis for every other freedom that you experience here in this country and in other countries where that exists. You know, a couple of years ago, in fact, the C word, COVID, brought the gatherings in all kinds of contexts, gatherings like this, in all kinds of contexts, brought the curtain down on us being able to meet together. And churches could no longer do what churches had done in this land for a millennia or more, even before WG Grace. Chapels were closed, churches were closed, prayer meetings were stopped, your house groups were cancelled, religious leaders not even allowed to enter into the doors of buildings like this by law of the country, the first time in the history of the church in this land <clears throat> where church doors have been ordered to close. See, we didn't have the freedom to share bread and wine together, to pray together, to meet together, to worship together, to study the Bible together. I wonder if you can remember how that felt the moment you were told by your leadership here that we had to stop and you weren't to come to church on Sunday, to close the doors, to stay inside, you know, that, that's as close to a prison as I want to get. And maybe you weren't a Christian at the time, but maybe you remember not being able to meet your family for Christmas, not being allowed into certain shops, not being able to travel, or not being able to buy a toilet roll. Man, that was a bum deal, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, there was a time in our history where our freedoms were actually restricted. That's not long ago, and I wonder if you've returned from that prison, white hot for Jesus, or a little bit tepid, a little bit lukewarm, a little bit meh, as our young people would say. And we know, as we read the rest of Revelation, what Jesus is going to do with his lukewarm church. You know, when we immerse ourselves in that moment, a few years ago, we get a little glimpse of what it's like for our family, right now, waking up under the threat of persecution, to experience that. Just a little glimpse. For us, a public health crisis for them, it's plain and simple persecution for saying Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, this day, Christians will be persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Some of them will pay with their lives. I'm going to show you a short video of Maria. She's a 20-year-old woman from Iraq. She's outspoken on social media. Uh, this is on TikTok. I don't know if we've got any TikTokers in the house. Maybe all the young people have left and they're on TikTok. Anyway, so it's a social media platform. You can upload a video. Millions of people can see it. She's very much an activist. She's come to faith in Jesus from a Muslim background. She uploads this video to praise Jesus on the internet. If we can have that now. Messiah <laughs> 
to faith in Jesus. Her uh, brother um, was ordered to kill her uh, by her uncle. And Iraq, the country where she comes from, or came from, was home to over 2 million Christians just over 20 years ago. Today the number sits at just over 100,000 as ISIS swept through cities like Mosul. They decimated the Christian presence there. In fact, Christianity is being eradicated as we speak from the Middle East. Tell you about a story of a girl in Nigeria called Deborah. She's sitting her GCSEs, the equivalent of which many of our children, grandchildren will sit this summer. And she's asked in a WhatsApp group, I'm sure many of us have got WhatsApp if we haven't got TikTok. So she's in a WhatsApp group. She's asked by her friends, how are you getting through? You know, what's enabling you to cope with the stress of this season? And she dares to say, look, Jesus, Jesus is the one who's helping me to get through. And it all seems quite innocent, really. Um, But she was asked to remove that comment from the WhatsApp group and she denied to do so. She returned to school the following day where she was taken outside class by her own classmates and she was beaten and she was stripped and she was stoned. And every day on average 14 Christians are murdered for their faith in Nigeria alone. That is the extreme and I don't bring in those stories to shock you but you need to know the extent of what some of our family who are waking up this morning under persecution will experience. You know, many more Christians worldwide won't be able to break bread together, to study the Bible together. The thought of being able to do what we're doing and the freedom that we have is impossible. If they do anything like what we're doing, they'll be doing it in secret. I wonder if we can learn anything from them as we look at the passage in Philippians, what it means to pick up your cross daily to follow him, to give your life, literally, in some cases. And more than at any point in history, more Christians face persecution today. 365 million of our family right now. One in seven of our family. Now, persecution continues to happen. It's where you come in. It's where your supporters already come in, and it's where I want to encourage you this morning that we can do more with the freedom that we have. So let's have a look at Philippians 1. You can take your mobile phones out to read the passage if you want to as well. I mean, God knows the secrets of our hearts. If you're on social media or shopping on your phone, that's uh, between you and him. Uh, Philippians 1, we've just heard, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Um, So Philippi, the first place in Europe to hear the gospel. It's in modern day Greece. Has anyone ever been to Philippi? Occasionally someone's been, yeah, yeah, a few, uh, one or two hands. That's all right. You don't have to be ashamed, so I can put a hand up. Fully. There you go. Um, the letter's been written by Paul. I don't know if you know the, the basis of it. He's obviously in jail because he tells us that in the, in the first bit of the passage. He's probably in Italy. Somebody is taking this message and some money from the church in Philippi. He's responding to this writing back to Philippi. Somebody's taken some money from Philippi, Greece, all the way to Paul's imprisonment. And that's the kind of thing that you guys are doing through us with the money that you give to Open Doors, is taking an encouragement, taking money, taking supplies, taking Bibles, etc., to prisoners. Uh, Someone's run all the way from Rome uh, to Rome to give Paul some money. I reckon it's about 500 miles, uh, maybe here to Edinburgh. 
Um, so I wonder, first of all, if, if the king wrote you, if King Charles wrote you and said, would you go and deliver a message to the Scots in Edinburgh? Um, would you go? Sometimes the anti-royalists shout at me at this point. Um, but would you go? If King Charles wrote to you and said, would you go? Would you go? Yeah, there's a few nods. What if God, what if God, the king of kings, wrote to you or spoke to you and said, would you go and deliver a message to Scotland or to somewhere else? Would you go then? I hope a few more of you are nodding. No, the reason why Open Doors exists is because, as we saw on the video, Brother Andrew, I don't know if you've ever read this book, God's Smuggler, maybe many of you have, uh, because he heard God say, go, go to the people behind the Iron Curtain, as was, and deliver the message and get the Bible into their hands. And as you heard, we have a ministry which goes worldwide now. Brother Andrew once smuggled a million Bibles into China. Isn't that incredible? A million Bibles. Today, the underground church, to bring you some good news, the underground church in China has about 120 to 140 million Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. I wonder what the consequence of you saying yes to partnering with him would look like for you today. Because I know that you believe this book. I know that you too are Bible-believing Christians. And yours has the same texts as mine. It does, doesn't it? Unless you've got one of those newfangled-type Bibles but he's writing to the whole church, just to all the saints, together with the overseers, the deacons, together with your bishop, Bishop Viv, together with the deacons, together with your vicar, together with the leadership team. We're all in partnership together. This letter that we're reading through is about the whole church being in partnership. Just turn to your neighbour, I'm going to make you feel really uncomfortable now. Turn to your neighbour and say, I'm partnering with you. So he's writing to the whole church. Are you one of them? You can interact if you want to. Are you, are you the church? Yeah. Are you the saints? Thanks, Dan. So right, the passage is about us partnering together. See, he goes on, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. So important. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I know that many of you will probably sit there and say, Ron, we've heard so many sermons preached from here that we're in partnership in the gospel, that our job is to tell other people about Jesus. But I also know that some of you will be sitting there thinking, but actually, Ron, I'm ill-equipped to do that. I don't have those gifts or those skills or whatever. I, get, I, I know I'm called to partner with Jesus in the gospel and with the others that are here, but I am actually still dealing with all of my own stuff. Maybe it's an illness, a particular illness. Perhaps there's some stuff going on in your family. Maybe it's an addiction. Perhaps it's gambling. Perhaps it's drink. Maybe it's your fears, whether you match up. Perhaps it's just whether you can provide for your family right now, whether you can find work, whether you can find meaning. You're dealing with your stuff, your own brokenness, your own sickness. Well, in, in the words of my wife's book, be bold, stop faffing about, and crack on for Jesus. Because you think you've got issues, don't you? And I'm not saying you haven't got issues. But this book, this good book here, is full of people who had issues. Now, did it stop God from inviting them into partnership in the gospel? No, that's good. You're shaking your head that way. That's good. You know, we've got drunks and daydreamers. Uh, we've got liars. We've got Leah, who was described as ugly, which I think is a bit harsh. We've got stutterers and prostitutes and murderers and adulterers and bankrupts and widows and bug eaters 
There's Isaiah who preached naked. I'll leave that to Dan for next week or for Lee Abbey. I don't know if that thing goes on there. You've got Jeremiah who was depressed. Now, all the people in this book sending the same message that every human being on earth, regardless of gifts and talents and strengths, is weak and vulnerable and dependent on God. And this morning, I want to encourage you through this passage, look, whatever you're going through, what does it say? Whatever you're going through, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will leave you. He will forsake you. He will give up on you. Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. And we believe this book. It says that he will see it through to completion. You know, maybe you're struggling under the cost of living crisis, the weight of the last few years, but your call is to persevere. The Christian life is not a mission for a moment. It's a mission for the rest of our lives. The author and perfecter of your faith has written it, will write it, and will complete it. I wonder if there's someone in the room that just needs to hear that today. And I'm sure there's someone available to pray with you afterwards if you just need to know that your call is to persevere as the saints around the world are persevering too. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Uh, Wang Mingdao was put in prison uh, in the Cultural Revolution in China. He was sentenced to 22 years. Uh, He was told if he would sign a confession, stop speaking about God, they would let him go free. In a moment of weakness, he signed the confession. He walks free from the prison gates. Convicted by the Holy Spirit, he realizes that he's made a terrible mistake, that he doesn't want to deny Jesus. He returns to the prison, tells them to rip up the confession. They put him in solitary confinement. When he was put in jail, he said, I was devastated because I I was an evangelist. I love talking to people about Jesus. Um, In the solitary, a very small cell, he realized that in the corner of the cell, uh, there's a pit toilet. And uh, he could hear the voices of other prisoners down the, the, oh, coming up the pit toilet. And so he realized that if he could hear their voices, that they would hear his voice. Uh, And so his prison cell became his pulpit and the sewage pipes became his microphone. When he came out of solitary after seven years, he discovered that 96 prisoners had come to faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He said, I had no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen, no paper. I had nothing. There was nothing I could do except get to know God. And for 20 years, the greatest relationship I've ever known. When I was in the cell, he said, the only thing I was focused on was getting to know Jesus. It was only me and him in that cell. And he said this, and it's absolute gold. It's the only thing you remember. He said, you need to build yourself a cell where it's just you and Jesus. Build yourself a cell where it's just you and Jesus. I wonder what that might look like for you as you... uh, Dan prayed about becoming more Christ-like. What does it look like as you go about your daily walk with God to build yourself a cell this week where it's just you and Jesus? And what I really love about the story is that Wang Mindao doesn't allow the fact that he's been put in solitary even to stop him from sharing the gospel message that's been put in him. And Paul doesn't allow the imprisonment that uh, he's finding himself in from being used for the glory of God. He says he became more confident in the Lord, dared all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And Paul writes so many of his letters from prison. He doesn't ever ask for comfort. He doesn't ask for release. You know what he asks for? He asks for the Lord's favour on his position to witness all the more boldly 
wouldn't that be a prayer for you this morning? To ask for God's favour so that you'll witness more boldly than you ever have done before. I'm going to show you a video of some of our family in the Middle East, a video of Donna and Taya, please. وقتی من در رو باز کردم چون به عنوان پستچی اومده بود پاشا گذاشت لایه دهد که من نتونم هیچ حرکتی انجام بدم و بعد گفت ما حکم داریم که خونه شما رو بازرسی کنیم بعد از اینکه حالا پرسید اینجا کجا هستش زراغمون رو گرفت من دیگه شروع کردم به ریختن خونه و هر چیزی که دستش رو می اومد می بردم و فکر می کردم که آیا بعد از این چی میشه و واقعا آیا ما میتونیم از این محلک یه جون سالم به در ببریم من اونجا مسیر و کنار خودم احساس کردم فقط این سرود یادم میومد که وعده دهنده امین است واقعا به وعده های مسیح بیشتر فکر میکردم و اینکه همش این آیه تو کلام برای من میومد که خداوند سخره من از خداوند نجات دهنده من است من دم یه سلولی بود که پر از جنایت کارابنم گفت میخواید همسر رو بچه خود بیارم دیگه که خب اونجا به من میگفت حتما باید با ما همکاری کنیم و اسامی همه دوستات به ما بیدیم که من از این کار تمرد کردم اون فرد گفت که کاری که شما کردیم مبارزه با نظامه و تبلیغ مسیحیت تبشیر با توجه به که شما مسلمون بودی و مسیحی شدی شما حکم ارتداده و حکم ارتداده هم کنانه بعد گفتم که اگه از تو بخوام که مسیحا انکار بکنی هرگز گفت پس عواقب بدی های تو با من هستی تا آخرش همراه من هستی گفتم من واقعا تا آخرش با تو هستم ولی حاضر نیستم هیچ کدومه به اینجا عنوان مسیح ها انکار کنم هم دیگه دعا کردیم پایین دادگاه بودیم و گفتیم واقعا خود من دعا هر چیزی که خواسته اراده تو باشه اون تقویت رو بده ما هم اون را بپذیریم و که برای دل اون افرادم که توی اون بالا داشتن برای حکمه میخواستم برنسم برای اونا هم دعا کردیم وقتی به دادگاه برگشتم نمیدونم چرا دارم به تو حکم آزادی اما اگه دفعه دیگه بگیرمت مطمئنن حکم ادامت انزام کنم ما به خونه برگشتیم و شروع کردیم دوباره به اشارت دادم 
برای ایسا هر چیزی که بخوام حسابش کنم کمه بخوام تسلیم کنم و آیا چه چیزی میتونه ما رو از محبت مسیح جدا کنه آیا قهتی؟ آیا پستی ها بلندی ها؟ نداشتن خونه، مکان؟ هیچ مسیح ارزش همه چیز رو به نظر من داره و به نظر خودم ما هیچ بقایی هنوز ندادیم برای مسیح doesn't that just blow away any idea that you have of comfortable Christianity? We went back home and started ministering and evangelizing again. Amazing. The bit that troubles me most, and someone uh, much wiser than me once said, you should study the bits of the Bible that tr- trouble you the most. It says this, because of my chains most, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. That must mean that some didn't. I wonder if you're in that camp. I wonder what effect quarantine, what effect lockdown had on your faith, on your boldness to proclaim the gospel, to witness without fear. I wonder if you've returned from that particular prison a bit lukewarm, a bit meh. And if that's the case, then I just want to encourage you this morning that it's time for you to break out again. Because the, pe- the people of Down End do need to know the good news that is Jesus Christ. Am I right? Amen. Amen. Paul says they became more confident as a result, and I hope that just in that brief few minutes, that as you look at those who are persecuted, our family, and remember that there aren't two churches. There isn't a persecuted church somewhere over there, and the Western church here in our comfort. There's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one church where one church suffers the whole part of the church suffers so i want to encourage you that as you look at them and you see their boldness and their courage to stand strong in the face of that threat of persecution that it will embolden you as well so two things to take away the partnership with god with the spirit of god in here the partnership that you experience together as christ church in down end is so that you can partner with God in here together and out there as well. So I want to encourage you to do that. And then secondly, I want to encourage you to partner with, our to continue as a church to partner with us. Thank you for doing that so far. But maybe individually you want to partner as well. And you already have ways in which you can do that that are set up, which are incredible. I actually went to a prayer meeting um, just a week or so ago, first Thursday of the month. It happens at Marilyn's house. Marilyn is part of the church that meets at Quakers Road. Um, but Anne is in here. Anne, give me a wave. And Anne won't mind me. Um, if you want to have a chat with Anne, she also has a prayer meeting going on uh, where people are just gathering. And I can't tell you what an encouragement it is. When I meet pastors and people from the persecuted church, and they say, we know that you're praying, and that really encourages us. So thank you. So I want to encourage you to carry on praying as a church, and if you want to sign up today to receive prayer updates so you can be inspired, so you can be informed to carry on praying, and I'll send you a copy of God's Smuggler in return, and every month or every week you'll get an email or something through the post, depending upon which box you tick, um, that informs and inspires and equips you to carry on praying. So as a way in which you can partner with us. You can give, of course you can. Your church is very generous. Thank you for that. That enables us to smuggle Bibles, to rebuild churches, to help with people that have been uh, released from kidnap or escaped from kidnap to help with their healing. So we do lots of different work 
to help Gazan Christians at the moment just to have a mattress, to have some food and other things like that that we do. So you can give individually as well, and it's a privilege for us to be able to give to that work and to support those who are persecuted. Come and find me afterwards. I've got a couple of tables at the back with some literature, and I'll tell you a bit more about the work of Open Doors. The thing I want to leave you with is that invitation to partner, the partnership in the gospel with one another here in Christchurch Down End and with our family, our family around the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ron, for preaching and sharing those stories with you. I don't know about you, but uh, I find it deeply sort of humbling and really moving, hearing those stories of people that have stood up for their belief in Jesus, their their willingness to to be arrested, to, to be put on trial because of their love for Jesus. Uh, and there's a bit of me that kind of asks the question, what would I do? <laughs> and I'm not sure until it actually happens. But there's a, a sense in which I want to encourage you. You know, there's been some deeply moving stuff today. Maybe some things that have made you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, dare I say, that's probably quite a good thing. But what I want to do is, is for you to take hold of those stories that build courage that embolden us, that we recognise that our God is good, that he is at work by his spirit in the most unbelievable ways. And I want to build faith in you and encourage you to place more of your trust in Jesus, to take more steps, to be out there telling others about the goodness of Jesus and the differences made in our lives. So let me encourage you today, go out from here emboldened, courageous, ready to declare the goodness of Jesus to our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, all those that are in desperate need of knowing about the life-changing love of Jesus. Shall we stand? We're going to, I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to lead us in a song before we move into a time of intercession uh, that Colin's going to lead. So let's stand together and invite you just to chew over maybe some of the things that you've been thinking about the way that God's been speaking to you through Ron and his word, through those testimonies that we've heard this morning. And let's worship in song together.